where our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we, we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than, 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 I, than I cared about me winning. You know, that was when I really, truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. There's no reason to sleep in. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I think sleeping in, it's a little bit, a little bit of being lazy. Wrestling is just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to, like, figure everything out. No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in-depth. Only fault was it I thought I could pin everybody, you know, so going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. You know, that's what I love to do. I want to stand out. I want to, I want to get in your face. I want to beat you up. For 17 years, it was like, it was what I was training for, you know, and this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like eight mile, like you only get one shot. I felt like he took what was mine, you know, and um, I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go. Welcome to episode 37 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Smith. Before we get started, if you have feedback for the show, you can reach me on Twitter at D1CW for the show at Sudden History. Even if you want to send an email, it's Earl at D1CollegeWrestling.net. As always, you can subscribe to Sudden History on iTunes or just about anywhere podcasts are found. So, every once in a while I like to throw a curveball and do something a little different. Originally, when I contacted Ben Charrington to come on the show, I said we'd do an interview-type show like I normally do and sprinkle in some talk about the elimination of Boise State Wrestling. As I thought about it more, I felt like talking about both Ben's career and the Boise State decision would do a little bit of disservice to both of them. In my opinion, and probably Ben's too, the more pressing matter is the discussion going down uh, his alma mater. So he'll get a rain check on the interview, you know, exploring his career. You know, he's a good guy. I'm sure we'll talk down the road sometime for the show. But as everyone knows by now, last week Boise State announced they would be eliminating their wrestling program. To discuss this decision and everything associated with it, we will be joined by the Broncos' most recent NCAA champion, Ben Charrington. Welcome, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so as we're taping this on Tuesday evening, we're almost one week removed from the announcement that Boise State would be dropping their wrestling program. Uh, take me through how you heard about this decision last week. And, you know, what was going through your mind in the minutes and hours, you know, afterwards? Well, I, I found out from, a, you know, another coach here in the state, uh, in the Fort Collins area, and uh, he, he sent me a text, said, sorry about your alma mater, you know, and, and right away that raises red flags, you know exactly what that means. Um, you know, so I, I jumped on Facebook at that time. You know, Facebook's obviously your quickest uh, form of information these days, and and it was all over the place, you know. Uh, so I, you know, it took a while for me to process it. I didn't, uh, I didn't jump on the phone making calls right away. I just, you know, I just kind of tried to take it in, you know, because it, it was very, very unexpected to me, especially having, 
you know, I mean, I'm 12 months removed from going through the interview process and hearing probably the exact same things that Mendoza heard from that administration, you know, on on how they were going to support the program, how they were ready to support it at a higher level and, and, you know, saw a bright future for it. So that was, that. I mean, that was my immediate thoughts. It's like, wow, you know, how can this, how can this be real considering all the things I heard 12 months ago from these same people, you know, so. And, you know, you start, you started to answer that. Uh, my next question um, as one of the most prominent Bronco wrestling alums, were there any whispers about the long-term stability of the program, any warning signs from the administration or other alums? You know, there, there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was any whispers. I think everybody was, trying to be optimistic. I mean, the the coaching change and the, the way that that all came about last year was, it was a little bit messy to say the least. And, and uh, you know, I think it, it raised awareness in the administration that, Hey, there's been, there's been some underlying issues here for a while, you know, so that I think that put a microscope on the program at that point, to some extent, but, you know, I think the message everybody was trying to get through to them was there's so much potential here. I mean, what was it, five, six years ago, they ranked second in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if Kirk Smith doesn't get hurt, they probably live up to that ranking. And, uh, you know, so that was that was the message that everybody was trying to portray. Nobody really, I don't think anybody even wanted to think about the possibilities of it being dropped. You know, so that was, uh, so, so in short, no, we didn't really hear much of that. And from the administration, uh, you know, I have a unique perspective because I, I, I sat through an interview. I, I had lunch with Kurt Apsey. I had, you know, lunch with the associate AD, Bob Carney, and, and they were as supportive as any, as supportive as, as many, yeah, as any administration as I have ever been around, you know, verbally to us. So, um, so yeah, tough to swallow when they turn around and do this. And, but, Something that piqued my interest over the weekend was a Facebook post you made in reference to the way the head coaching search was handled last year, and it's kind of telling, you know, you mentioned it was a position you applied for, you know, talk about that experience and the way the impression the athletic administration left upon you. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I it was always a job when I resigned at UNC. I told people that that's the only head coaching position I would ever consider, you know, if I was going to get back into college wrestling. And I never thought I would have the opportunity to apply for it because, you know, I figured if, if Randall wasn't there, then Chris Owens was the next guy. I think everybody else assumed that as well. Um, you know, so when it came about, I was, you know, I was, I was sad at the way it happened, but I was excited that I might have an opportunity to lead my alma mater. You know, I mean, who doesn't dream of that? So I was, you know, optimistic going into it that I had a really good shot at the job and, and ultimately became a finalist. And I think a lot of the, I think I was a finalist for a lot of reasons, um, you know, but I think a big part of that was the support I had from the alumni, you know, and my former teammates and, and alumni that were there, you know, well before me. And I think I had a ton of support there. So I was optimistic that, that I had a good shot at it. Um, you know, went up, had my interview, felt good about everything. And, uh, felt good about what they were telling me as far as the support for the program goes you know and when I left campus they they said you know we will one way or the other we'll notify you uh of the outcome of this prior to releasing it publicly and 
you know, so a week, a week went by, I didn't hear from him. And then I saw on Facebook and I got a phone call from one of the other alumni that, hey, did you hear who they hired? You know, and I, I, at that time I had not heard from the administration at all. And it wasn't until probably three to four hours after it had come out publicly that they called me, they left a message, and they said, I'm sure you've heard by now, but, you know, we decided to go a different direction and hire Mike Mendoza. And that was the extent of their explanation to me. So, um, and they handled this situation very similar. I mean, the, the, the media and, you know, the public outlets knew prior to the head coach and the team, which is, uh, it's just absurd to me. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so according to some of these interviews I've seen, uh, the administration claims this was a decision they've been mulling over for a while now. I think I read, you know, years in one article, yet you were interested in the Yeah, two to, two to three, they said. Yep. You were interested so. in the position just a year ago. Mike Mendoza ultimately left another head coaching position for the BSU job. You know, it doesn't really yep. add, add up because – as you mentioned, they, they probably said positive things about the program during the whole interview process. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and you know, beyond cutting the program, I mean, that, that obviously is, is, is terrible for everybody involved. But to do that to Mike Mendoza and Riley Roscoe, to cut the program a year after hiring them, when they, when they had good jobs. I mean, Mike was having a lot of success at Bakersfield. They just won a Pac-12 dual title, you know. And, and it wasn't like he was he was leaving an awful situation. Uh, you know, he just saw the potential that everybody else saw in Boise. And for them to do that to him and to, to do that to his kids and his wife is just, to me, it's just disgusting, you know. I mean, it just, I, I can't. It, it just, like I said in my Facebook post, it says a lot about their character and the type of people they are, you know. And I just, it's sad that they're the ones leading that university to me. So. Do you know where we're at in this whole process? I know there are meetings with the student associations on campus last week. They attempted to have the whole process stalled, and they were denied by the school's cabinet. Um, I've read mm-hmm. statements from the school president saying this is a final decision. Yeah, you know, it's. I, I talked with uh, Jacob McGinnis, who's one of our one of our alumni, who's been heavily involved in in just trying to raise awareness for the program in general since he got done, and it's been a big part of our booster club up there and stuff. And he he said that, you know, it's kind of you know he, the way he described it. He said there's you know we're in phase one right now. Phase two is going to get ugly, and phase three is going to get even uglier. But um, right now, nobody can. Nobody can get a hold of Tustra or APSI. They're just, they've gone AWOL. They won't respond to anything. You know, so past the statement they made in that press conference, nobody really knows what's going on. You know, and they haven't, uh, to me, and I think a lot of other people, they haven't, they haven't given a clear explanation as to why they came to this decision because, you know, if it's budget, if it, if it comes down to budget, then, you know, you're adding a sport that loses more money and is more expensive. So, you know what's what's the real reason? Nobody really knows. So I, I I think at this point it's it's a lot of people just trying to trying to dig for answers and and they're not getting them. You know. And from your experience as an athlete at Boise State, how is the wrestling team received around campus and in the community? I know the football team has had their success, but the wrestling team has had top ten finishes nationally, two NCAA mm-hmm. champions, two Olympians, handfuls of All Americans just since two thousand. You know, is that something that goes noticed? 
Yeah, I mean, Boise has a very strong, not just Boise, the state of Idaho has a very strong wrestling culture, you know, from the youth level up up through the high school ranks. And and the wrestling program was, you know, obviously being the only one in the state, it was it was highly followed by the wrestling community. You know, I and I wouldn't say that, and obviously I haven't been up there for a while, um, but when I was there, I wouldn't say it was heavily followed by, by the general public, you know, or the student body. Um, you know, it was, uh, I think it was gaining popularity. And I think, uh, I think when, when Adam Hall, Hawk Strasser, Chamberlain, Kirk Smith, and, you know, that whole crew rode through there, I think they, they took the notoriety to another level in the general public. I mean, Kirk was on a billboard and, you know, in the middle of the city. And, uh, so people had to see it, you know, and I think it's, disciplinary wise there wasn't any issues you know so i think it was well well received by the by the general public in the city you know definitely not troublemakers i mean that's wrestlers in general we're just hard-working good guys for the most part you know and i think that's the way the city of boise saw it so um over the past few years the team's performance has slipped compared to you know some of those groups of guys you mentioned um, while, yeah. I, while I haven't seen that noted as a possible reason for the elimination of the program, do you think it had an impact or were these people, you know, just set on making this decision? You know, I, I think, I think they were set on making the decision. You know, I, I think the fact that they, they brought a new head coach in and promised the world to him and, and, uh, and everybody else and then did this a year into it. I think that, pretty much confirms that they were set on the decision. Um, you know, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think the bad, you know, the, the years, the, the decline over the last few years, I think that obviously gives them something to fall back on. But I really don't think that that is why they made this decision. You know, because if that was the case, I think you cut the program last year or you, leave the current staff in place and then make the decision, but don't bring a new guy and have him uproot his family and then do this to him, you know, so. Um. Something you're familiar with from wrestling at Boise State and coaching at Northern Colorado is conference affiliation. Uh, Boise's now uh-huh. Mountain West for most sports, yet competed in wrestling in the Pac-10 and Pac-12. And at Northern Colorado, you were in the West region or the West Wrestling Conference. Um, having yep. having a potential sport in baseball where they can compete in the Mountain West was cited as a factor in the decision. From the athletic department standpoint, how important is this conference affiliation, and do they dislike being a part of these other conferences for wrestling? Well, I you know I, I think I think that's about the only the only valid point that they've made thus far is that 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 does on paper and publicly look good if you're you know if all your sports are affiliated with the same conference and there's some some unity there but at the same time you know wrestling was affiliated with the Pac-12 I mean who wouldn't think that that is a a positive thing you know the Pac-12 you compare the Pac-12 you compare the Mountain West and and notoriety across the country there's a there's a significant difference people in New Jersey are going to know what the Pac-12 is you know a lot more so sure. than they're going to know what the Mountain West is. So I, I don't think that's a, a valid argument, but I do I do see their point there, you know, but it, it'd be a lot different if, if, if the wrestling team was part of the Western Wrestling Conference. Then, 
you know, yeah, it is. It's it, nobody's gonna know what that is, you know. So, um, but the Pac-12 is a whole different animal, and they, you know, they. I, I would have thought that they would have appreciated that and saw a lot of value in that. So, so when I was looking at colleges as a senior in high school, it wasn't for wrestling; it was to play baseball. I'm from Virginia, and my high school coach, uh-huh. told, my high school coach, told me you have to be crazy to go much north of Maryland to play baseball considering they start practices in January and play games in February. Now, yep. no offense to the area of Boise, but I would never consider going there to play baseball. You know, it's, it seems like this whole baseball idea was made with their own individual hearts, not necessarily their heads. No, I absolutely agree with you. You know, Boise's, it's got a real similar climate to Denver. I don't know, you know, it, it, uh, it has mild winters, but you do get your snow. But the the winters on any given year can extend into, you know, late April. You know, you just never know. And and you're going to have a handful of nice days and a lot of crappy days up until May and June. So, you know, that doesn't uh, – it's not real conducive to, to an outdoor sport other than, like, track where, you know, where it doesn't really matter as much. Um, you know, so I would agree with you that it was made with their heart. You know, the, the one – the other argument they're making or the other the other thing that people are speculating about is that they waited until there was approval from the city of Boise to to build this stadium for the minor league baseball team in the area, the Boise Hawks. And once that was approved, that's when they, you know, decided to move forward with this, this decision, figuring that now we don't have to build a stadium. We can use this one and partner with the Hawks on it. You know, but I I heard rumors, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard rumors that the ground for that stadium hasn't even been purchased yet. So, you know, how can you how can you move forward building the stadium when you don't even have the land to put it on? You know, so it's uh, just a lot of a lot of unanswered questions right now. And and in the end, I do think it exactly what Custer said. It's his pet project, and he didn't care who he affected. He was gonna it was on his agenda, and he's gonna move forward with it. You know. So to me, this whole situation scares me within with regards to the long-term health of our sport at the D1 level. You know, limiting uh, wrestling at Boise State leaves an entire region of the country without a D1 team. And again, mm-hmm. it's not like it's at a school that didn't have success. You know, what does it say to you about you know the health of the sport? Yeah, I just you know I think when you look at the way society is moving, you know, wrestling's wrestling's just it's a hard sport. It takes it takes a different kind of person to enjoy the sport and to take the time to understand it. You know, I mean, people tend to gravitate towards things that are that are less hard. You know, and and I mean, this isn't a, a wrestling versus baseball thing. They they both have their their hard aspect, but you know, wrestling it's it's just not a it's not a sport that's going to gain a lot of attention because it, it's it's very strange to a lot of people. You know. And and like I said, it's it's very very hard. It's very grueling, and uh, you know and that's a reason why it's not America's pastime. You know, people don't go out and, and play it recreationally like they do baseball or football or or any of these other sports that are hugely popular. You know, and uh, you know so I think as society continues to move that way, and those types of things are are. Uh, are seen publicly and, and glorified more than, yeah, I, I think people are going to see more value in those things as far as, you know, potential to make profit on them and, and gain notoriety across the country, you know, and for, for all those reasons, you know, wrestling's 
not going to bring that to the table as quickly as, as a sport like baseball. Yeah. So. So with your experiences as a head coach at, I guess you would call it a mid-major at uh, Northern Colorado, what do head coaches and even fans of the program need to do that this uh, to ensure that this doesn't happen at more schools, you know, if it is even preventable? You know, I, I've talked to quite a few people about this and, you know, and, and I wish I had done more of it when I was, when I was coaching. Um, but you know, I think it'll, it all comes down to marketing and promotion and, and making making the events enjoyable to be at, you know, and giving, giving the fans something to be excited about past just watching 10 matches and going home, you know, because that's really, that's really what you see at most places is you walk in, the gym is quiet, there's not a lot of excitement built around the actual event, you wrestle your 10 matches, you know, there might be some excitement here and there depending on the matchups, but, you know, that's that's about it, you know. So I, I think uh, a lot of the people I've talked to, they, they've expressed that, you know, maybe marketing and, and uh, hosting events more like MMA fights where, you know, I mean, a lot like what they did with the Penn State-Ohio State duel this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was an exciting atmosphere. They had the smoke. They had the lights. They had the, you know, it, it, was, just, it was just an exciting atmosphere with some energy. And I think, I think even the smaller schools have to do that, you know, it doesn't matter if they're wrestling in the in the little auxiliary volleyball gym. You know, you got to create an exciting environment to get fans there. And and the more fans you get there, the more uh, notoriety you're going to gain. And you know, and, and hopefully you can keep working your way up. You know, and then administration is going to see value in it. So, you know, but I think it comes down to marketing and stepping outside your comfort zone as a coach and really saying, okay, I don't really like this, but we need to do it because. It's the way that the way things are moving, and people are people are less entertained, you know, uh, by watching wrestling. They're they're entertained by all the stuff that's going on, going on around them, you know, and that that's what creates the excitement. So, so I'm sure that prior to a week ago, if I would ask you about your feelings towards the school where you graduated from, won an NCAA title in wrestling, I'm sure you know you talk about very fond memories. You know, how much of a sour taste does this leave in your mouth? Uh, you know, regarding your alma mater? Uh, it leaves a, a real sour taste. You know, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that you know, I've had a lot of a lot of thoughts run through my head. Obviously, you, you hope for the best. You hope they bring it back. And, I'll, you know, regardless if that's next year or five to ten years from now, I'll always, I'll always hope for that. And I'll always have, I'll always have a special place in my heart for the, the town you know, and for the orange and blue, but you know, in the interim, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not in a hurry to support them in any way. You know, and I don't need my name up on the wall there. I don't need to be associated with it in any way, shape, or form right now. And that's my feelings on it. Okay. So. What would you recommend for people to do that may want to join the effort to save Boise State wrestling? You know, I, I think uh, I think just raising raising awareness on, on social media and and really getting it out there publicly how this all went down and then, you know, and then backing up what you say with, with facts. You know, I think that's huge. I think people act off emotions and they tend to just throw things out there that maybe are not true at all or half true, you know, and, and that's just, it doesn't hold any water. So I think you sign the petition, 
write the letters, you know, but I, I think writing letters to the editor where the general public's going to see it is going to have more effect than sending it straight to the AD or the president because they're, they're, they're replying right now with, with just automated emails that say the same thing to everybody. You know, there's no personalization and they probably aren't reading a single one of the ones coming in. So you got to get it out there to the masses that are going to see it, you know, and, and I think the letters to the editor, the social media, you know, and then depending on where this goes, if there's, you know, obviously if they, if they do open up the door to self-fund the program, then, you know, anything anybody can do to help on that end is obviously going to be hugely appreciated. But it's kind of a discouraging situation because they haven't left the door open for anything right now. You know, they basically just said this is the decision and it doesn't matter what you guys do. You know, so so trying to figure out where to go from there is tough. But. Okay, well, that's all I have. Um, you know, the floor is open for you. If there's anything else that you want to talk about, uh, get off your chest, uh, you know, whatever about the entire situation. No, I'm, you know, I'm just, I think now that I am more of a, a fan of college wrestling and, and a spectator, you know, I'm still coaching at the youth level and helping out where I can. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm overall excited for the future of college wrestling. You know, I think this year's NCAA tournament was very, very, uh, you know, foretelling in the in the future of wrestling and where it's going. You know, guys are, I think guys that are wrestling at that level are starting to take take a different approach to it, and it's it's becoming more fun for them. Whereas I think back, even when I was doing it, it was just it was serious. The fun aspect wasn't focused on as much as it is now, and I think. I think what Penn State's doing is is just huge in in uh, you know in the in the fact that they're verbalizing that so much that hey this in the end we're here to have fun and we're here to score points and we're here to make the sport exciting you know and I think more schools need to jump on that bandwagon more people need to uh, you know just just go out and have fun and and have that mindset that hey we're here to score points the wins and the losses don't matter but if we go out and we take care of business then you know, the outcome is going to take care of itself. And I think uh, I think we saw that mindset change more than we have in the past few years this year at the NCAA tournament, and that excites me. Okay, well, uh, big thanks to Ben Charrington for joining us on Sudden History, and I'll have to get you on again to, you know, talk about your career and, you know, a better better subject, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love it. So I appreciate you having me on, Laurel. Once again, thanks to Ben for joining us. Before I leave for the week, I'll reiterate some of Ben's sentiments. Go out there, do your homework, present some real hardcore facts about the situation, put pressure on these guys, try to leave emotion out of it, and do it in a professional manner. Get attention of people on social media, on traditional media, whatever it is, let them know they they just can't make a, such decisions like this in a cavalier manner than go run and hide. People care about this team, and people care about this sport. So until next week, I'm going to go calm down.